Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Ben, welcome. Well, uh, welcome to you, Matt. Well, thanks, but you're in my house. Welcome to your house and your room. I just showed up here about half an hour ago, and welcome. Ben, do you know why? <laughs> do you have a question for you? Do you know why we thought starting Gravity was such a good idea? Um, I, I think I do, but is this, a, this feels like a setup for a joke. This is like the pastor question where he asks one question that could have 43 answers, mm-hmm. but he's looking for one. Mm. <laughs> so you don't want to even right. venture That's, an answer really go there. because no. you don't want to give the right. wrong answer. Right. No, we started Gravity because we realized that although everybody tacitly believed or professed, confessed? I do mm-hmm. this a lot. I Probably, they, probably either, both of those things. They fessed up yeah, to yeah. love, like yeah. love's important. They confessed and professed it. They didn't, uh, there was radical different definitions or understandings of what love meant. Yeah. And so part of what Gravity's project has been, has, mm. has been, and primarily in our coaching and training, is to uh, reassert the primacy and centrality of love, yeah. and to name the things that impede or hinder our living in love faithfully as Jesus did. That is a work of deconstruction. Yeah. Naming the assumptions we have about love. Yeah. And, and then holding them up uh-huh. to truth and beauty, yeah. goodness, and saying, are these, are these right? Are these true? Are these true? Or, right? Yeah, yeah because uh, a lot of times, we've talked about this in the past, but a lot of, uh, we make a lot of assumptions about love, which, which leads us to either, like you said, tacitly acknowledge it, or I think, that, I think a lot of times just assume 
that because I'm a Christian, love is important, and what I'm doing is loving. Because, I mean, why else would I be doing these things? It's just assumed. I'm not living a wantonly selfish life. I'm loving people. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why I, you know, uh, that's why I preach these sermons. That's why I'm trying to give people good advice in my counseling sessions. Of course I'm loving people. Sometimes when I go out to eat with my family, I find myself being wantonly selfish. Wantonly selfish? My, yeah. my kids get wantons, and I and I just want to uh, eat them. You, you grab them. I want to hoard a couple the of them. wantons. Yeah, yeah, wantonly selfish. <laughs> Uh, today, I knew there was a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> today we're talking about uh, probably one of the most formative books uh, in my childhood, yeah. which is the book The Giving Tree, uh-huh. and the ways in which I conceived of The Giving Tree as a kid, and I yeah. think my family of origin yeah. did, yeah. and then some of the, th- the realizations I've begun to have about The Giving Tree as I've deconstructed love and become more clear about what love is, is and isn't. Yes. So if you... If you love the giving tree, if it's near and dear to your heart, if it's your precious, just skip this episode. Maybe Go you to the next one. To this episode, <laughs> or maybe you really need to listen, but uh, keep an open mind. Yeah, just yep. gird up your loins. What's yeah. what's the um, huh? what's the above the shoulder metaphor of loins? Gird up uh, your gird up your ear holes. Yeah, I don't know. That 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 you know strikes me as vaguely offensive <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, uh, yeah, g- just you know. Uh, Fasten your headphones to your head. Yeah, strap it on. Strap, strap them I on. I feel like the epithet, 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 epithet on my tombstone will say uh-huh. vaguely offensive. Vaguely offensive. <laughs> but we could never figure out why, so we didn't know what to challenge him on. Yeah. We're going to talk about the giving tree today yeah. and just some things we're learning about yeah. love before we do that. Uh, no, that's it, I think. Oh, that's it? Yeah. We no have, announcements? Well, we don't really have... Then we should get out. We should get out. We we pro- we're always uh, starting new gravity leadership cohorts. So we are in the process starting two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, hit us up. Hit us up if you're interested. There's more information in the show notes as always. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's listen to this uh, episode about love. Yeah. Get ready. You're, what are you, we're practicing. This is the practice practitioner podcast. Yeah, the pra- the practice the practice podcast. We're going. We're in Lansing. Little known fact. We're in Lansing, we, Michigan, right now, uh, in, a, in a basement in a bunker. Yeah, is this? We're doing this one on the practitioner podcast. Undisclosed location. This we could do. We don't have to do practitioner. We could, this could go out to everybody. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who cares about this. All right. We'll decide later. We'll decide later. And if you are hearing this and you're not a practitioner, uh, and you like this. It may be a sign that you're supposed to become one, a, pa- a patron, you know, a supporter. Yep. Yep. If you don't like it, then just delete it. And yeah, turn leave. it off. But I'm I'm staring. So we're it's just before lunch. We're going to record this, and then we're going to go to the, get some barbecue at this place, which is like my top five foods, like barbecue, barbecue, like really yeah, good yeah, barbecue. Yeah, good but this barbecue joint is called the Gravity Smokehouse <laughs> and Barbecue. It's meant to be, but yeah, we kind of have to go. We kind of have to go. Get we'll take a picture. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so this is going to be the shortest podcast ever because my now we're hungry. My mouth is watering. Uh, all right. Uh, it gets the, good ratings too, so it's not just because it's gravity, but but it gets four point six stars. So is this like our podcast on iTunes or is this the barbecue? Oh no no joint? no! I think our podcast gets more than four point six. The gra- the barbecue joint gets good ratings. Well, the barbecue joint sounds good, but uh, wanted we've. We had a number of 
podcast episodes sort of in the queue. We've been thinking about, they've been slow. We've been smoking these for a long time. <laughs> and uh, we wanted to get to one make today. Hungrier. Um, one of the things we talk about a lot, a lot, is love. And often we hear people sort of tacitly affirm how important love is. But what comes out, if you dig or scratch it all below the surface, is we have to really be careful how we define love. Like, let's be, mm-hmm. let's get really specific. I had a friend the other day mm. who, um, who said, um, right now he was uh, on the social medias, as they call I've them. Heard of that? And that he was describing the the conflation that people are making, uh, where they are conflating God as love with love as God. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and um, you know, he was it was cranking him up a bit, uh, and I, I see the point here, right? So we don't start with our conception of love and ascribe that to God, or make a God out of our conception of love. But the only reason we know what the heck love is, is because God is love, and He's been revealed yeah. in Jesus Christ. Which, that's in the Bible. That's First John, right? I'm just like, quote, I'm is, just yeah. slinging scripture like it's like it's an all you can eat. Like it's a youth scripture group. buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm a youth pastor again. Um, get, uh, I should have a PowerPoint flashback. I was using PowerPoint. I was addicted yeah. to PowerPoint as a youth pastor. Were you? And now I never, I can't remember the last time I used PowerPoint. Now don't get me started on ProPresenter because that right there, <laughs> that's where it's at. All right. So um, so we wanted to chat through, I, let me chat through one of, this was shocking for me. I want to tell you how love got deconstructed for me and it almost, it almost ruined me. Um, one of my, it did, Ben. Yeah. I'm still so, here though. Yeah. Yeah. Here you are. Here you, I am. You did okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a survivor. <laughs> no. Uh, so the, Hi, Matt. thanks. One of the, my favorite books growing up was the, the book, The Giving Tree. Mm. You remember that book, Ben? Yeah. Shel Silverstein. Yes. Silverstein. Yeah. Silverstein. Uh, right. The Giving Tree. It's about a, a little boy, uh, and a tree. A tree who keeps giving to the little boy. Yeah, right? uh, I wonder if there's anybody that doesn't hasn't read this book or doesn't know the story. There might be, but essentially, well, the the story yeah. is there's a tree that the, this little boy plays around. He swings on the swing, and he that is attached to a branch, and he climbs up the tree, and he picks apples out of the tree, and eats the apples. And when it gets hot, he sits under the cool, the shade of the tree, and uh, the tree is personified. So the tree appreciates and enjoys the company of the child, and the child enjoys. All the things the tree offers him. But the story then is about how this child gets older, and once the child gets older, the child no longer wants to swing and play and eat and uh, enjoy the shade. Now the boy wants other things mm-hmm. apart from the tree Yeah, that he asks if he can use the tree for. Right, like, like what? Like branches to build a house... Uh-huh. Like uh, apples to sell to make money, mm-hmm. like a uh, trunk to build a boat, uh-huh. which is interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of impressed by how this, how you, uh, you know, utilitarian this boy is. You know, he can just like build a boat out of a tree trunk. I think yeah. I would, if I tried to do that, I would sink. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so what happens is the tree keeps saying yes to the boy. The tree keeps giving apples and then branches and then the trunk. And by the end of the book, the tree is just a stump. Mm. 
And the end of the book is the, the, the little boy has become a young man, has become a grown man, has become an old man. And the old man comes back to the tree and the tree apologizes. Hmm. There's nothing left of me for you to use. And the old man says, it's okay, I don't need anything, I just need a place to sit. And so the stump, which was the tree, says, well, you can sit here. So the book ends with the old man, the old man sitting uh, on the stump of the tree, and for th- and the tree was happy. So the book pivots around a relationship that the tree wants to have with this this boy, this man, and how in the beginning there was kind of this relationship of mutuality, perhaps mutual enjoyment. Uh, and then in the middle, the tree uh, has to give away what the tree is in order to make the boy happy, but there isn't mutuality. The boy's sort of using the tree to get what he wants that he thinks will make him happy. Right. And then by the end of the story, the old man, he doesn't come back with all the money and the house and the boat that he'd used the tree for. He comes back sort of old and tired and mm-hmm. and there's nothing he has. And then the tree, and then he uses, and then he sits on the tree and the tree and the boy are connected again or together again and yes. he's happy. Okay, so that's the story. That's the, giving the story. Tree. I kind of told, I actually told it sort of... Uh, I'm sort of tipping my hand, Ben. You did, yeah. You, you use the word use a lot. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else. So to... you're tipping your hand because this story has been uh, held up, right, as an, exempl- uh, an exemplar of what love looks like, right? Yeah. The tree. The tree's activity is what love looks like. Yeah. So I actually heard, uh, do you remember um, Brennan Manning? Mm-hmm. He wrote Abba's Child and a couple other... Ragamuffin Gospel. Ragamuffin Gospel. He's yeah, a, he was a Roman... Yeah, influential for me. He was a Roman Catholic priest at... Um, Stop being a priest, but I think remained Roman Catholic, but a lot of Protestants have read him. Yeah. And I, I watched him speak once, um, and he told the story that he was a childhood friend of Shel Silverstein. Hmm. And Brendan Manning, um, uh, got in a conversation with Shel, who was, I think, Jewish, about what Jesus was like. And Shel Silverstein, Brennan said Shel Silverstein wrote this book to, uh, as a parable of what Jesus is like. Now, I don't know if that's true. Hmm. Brennan Manning has a reputation for being uh, a teller of tall tales. <laughs> Does he? He spins, he spins the uh, half-true yarns a lot. Yeah. So I don't know if it's true or not, but I think this is a common perception. I grew up reading this book thinking the tree is a Christ figure. Yeah. That loves this boy to the uttermost, loves him to the end. Mm. Right? Yeah. But I want to maybe, uh, I don't want, I'm going to ruin some childhood fantasies here, including mm. my own. Yeah. It was a crazy day when I reread that story and saw that um, I, I don't think this is a Christ centered picture of what love is. Yeah. So it was a crazy day. Well, it was just, a, it was a, it was a har- harrowing, if you, if you yeah, will. Because yeah. I had just assumed that for so long and I had, it had become kind of this parable that, you know, would make me cry. You know, I mean, uh-huh. read that book and you cry a little bit. Yeah. You know? It seems very 
It's moving. Sacrificial. It's moving. Of the tree. Yeah. yeah. But um, there's some elements in here that I would call are not, there, there's a relationship that I would not describe as loving here. Yeah. How, so this is interesting, Matt, because uh, I think what you're describing is what, uh, what needs to happen oftentimes for people to really understand what it means that God is love is you do have to deconstruct your, your current notions of love yeah. instead of assuming that they're true. Yeah. You know, to yeah. just say like, oh, God is love. Does that make sense? But basically, the, you're thinking, like, does love, does what I think about love match what I think about God? Yes. And if, if it's close enough, then you can affirm that. Mm-hmm. And if not, then you want to say something like, yeah, but he also, you know, punishes sin and he's kind of wrathful, right? You know what I mean? You, mm-hmm. you kind of want to qualify it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is an important uh, element of this, is learning how to deconstruct your notions of love. Because yeah. a lot of us have these kinds of things embedded in our consciousness, especially stuff we read as kids that was moving for us as kids. Yeah. We've got these things embedded in our consciousness that we don't even realize are there. No, unreflected upon. Unreflected upon, yeah. yeah. So uh, so anyway, so it's like you're deconstructing love, yes. essentially. So let me ruin this book for you. Yep, here we go. Okay. So why is it not, <laughs> Matt, tell us, why is it not uh, loving for what the tree does for the boy? Uh, because love, invol- love, love involves two parties. And the boy never demonstrates that he wants, that he sees happiness with the tree, for the tree. The boy simply uses the tree for pleasure Mm. and then moves on. So at every stage, the boy is enjoying what the tree can do for him rather than enjoying the tree for the tree. Now, you kind of get a picture of that in the beginning. Because mm-hmm. the boy's playing and swinging and eating and climbing and resting. And you kind of get a picture of that at the end, mm-hmm. right? Where he's just sitting. Although there's this, there is kind of this macabre sort of depressing picture mm-hmm. of this man who's spent his whole life chasing happiness mm-hmm. and now is exhausted and he's resting on the stump of every attempt to find happiness in things. Mm. He's resting on, the, the tree is, his stumps are like dead trees. Right. So he's, he's resting on his legacy of using and destroying yeah. sacrificial love to try to find happiness. Well, well not sacrificial love, uh, 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 yeah. uh, resources. Yeah. So there's a, there's a parody of love here then. I think so. And this shows up in people as well, right? Where, where I mean, it's not just, so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of uh, thoughts crashing into my head at the same time. So, um, so, yeah, so it's a parody of love because only one party is called to sacrifice. Only one party is called to give. And what they end up giving is something essential of themselves, this is the tree, for... Uh, the pleasure of the other, but outside of the relationship. Yeah. You know? And so I think, but I think yeah. most people get that, right? Most people get, uh, the boy's, boy's pretty rotten to this tree. Right. And most, but most people then put the tree on a pedestal of, this is how God loves us. Even and, when we're rotten to him. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to say that like, there is a, like at the heart of God is a self-giving, other-centered, canonic, cross-shaped love. So like we affirm that. But, but that love has, I think, um, that, that love isn't all yes. 
that love is yes and no. And that love grows and accommodates and shifts depending upon where we are. So let me give an example here. In the in the book, the tree never challenges how the boy defines happiness or offers him a different story. Hmm. She just hmm. the tree just capitulates to the boy's desires. As they stand. As they I stand. I want a boat. Fine, here you go. Yeah. Yes. So the tree then never calls the boy's desires into maturity, shaping, mm. questioning, a deeper commitment to the tree. Yeah. Rather, the tree exists to fulfill the desires of the boy. Yeah. The tree is the American dream machine. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I have a desire. And so the, the picture of love is the unfettered fulfillment of whatever my heart desires. And it's loving, f- and, I, and I'll know what love is if I find somebody who will enable me to do that. Yes, yeah, that's how I'll know. I think that's something desperately wrong with our notion of love. Yeah. And it wrecks havoc on relationships yeah. and commitments we have. Yeah. So I'm just struck, I'm struck by this, Matt, because I think this is probably what's legitimately in the back of people. When people say... Well, we got to balance God's love and God's wrath. When people say that, it seems to me what they're doing is importing this this definition of love that it's just this like here, have whatever you want, permission, yeah. And so they're, of desire. they're like instinctively bucking against that, rightfully. Yes. But instead, instead of I, th- but in- they're just assuming that definition of love and saying. I know how to do that. I know how to solve this instinctive bucking against that I feel is we balance God's love, which is his permissiveness with God's wrath, which yeah. is his anger. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is like none of that. None, the New Testament doesn't talk about love like that. No. And so, and so talking about love like that is actually capitulating to a cultural yes. understanding of love that isn't Christ centered. Yeah. So let's stop talking about love like that. Yeah. Right. We're not balancing love and truth or love and wrath. No, nope. That's We're not, not it. That's not it. So, and anytime we have the instinct to do that, the the step to take is to go back and say, what am I assuming about love that makes me think it needs to be balanced with anything? Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. Totally. What man. am I assuming about it? Because the New Testament doesn't balance love with anything. Yeah. It just says God is love. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. You're right, Ben. Okay. Preach. All right. I'm done preaching. Go ahead. What, okay. You got more? So, so the more first thing this? is the tree yeah. never challenges what the boy desires yeah. or how the boy defines happiness. The tree just capitulates what the boy desires. And I want to say that is not love, full stop. Yes. Number two, the tree, if you notice this, every time the boy comes back and he's older, the tree greets the boy. Do you know? remember how the tree greets the boy every time he comes back? No, I don't. The tree goes, oh, hey, boy, come climb in my branches and swing and mm. rest in my shade and eat my apples. Mm-hmm. So the tree only relates to an eight-year-old boy, mm. even when the man before him is grown. Yeah. So the tree refuses to let go of who the boy was. Yeah, the tree has a preferred vision of the boy. The tree is locked into this time and place that the tree is nostalgic for, yep. sentimental for, misses probably, right? I mean, it's clear that the tree longs to have the relationship it used to have with the boy. Right. But, um, you know, there aren't many grown men who uh, climb trees and, unless your name's Zacchaeus. Not with and, this back. And eat apples, <laughs> right? So the tree then refuses to grow with the boy. 
Yeah. And and uh and so doing doesn't actually meet the man where he is, mm-hmm. but relates to the man in some preferred sentimentalized nostalgic past. Yeah. So love deals in reality. Love deals with what is yep. in the in the rigged, rugged reality, even when mm-hmm. even when um the reality isn't what you want. Right. So getting back to those desires, so the the false vision of love capitulates to the desire, assuming it's true, but this this more strong, robust vision of love, it it has the wherewithal to tell the truth about desire, to to name it not necessarily capitulate to it, but, you know, if it's not loving to say yes, then it might be loving to say no. Uh, and also then, um, love, a true vision of love also deals with people as they are, not as we would like them to be. Yeah, so just to just to pit pause on this, we're doing a, we're in Lansing to do a parenting workshop. We do a parenting workshop in Grace and Truth. By the way, Grace and Truth is how we name and define the love that uh, is revealed in Jesus Christ. Um, I, I'm I've got the situation with my son, who's 11, and it's winter in the Midwest. Yep. And um, rational, sane people wear coats in the winter because it's cold. <laughs> the kids don't. Well, no, no kids. Do. My kids don't wear I'm, coats. I'm fixing to get there. Okay. Right. Okay. So, like, when my son was three, uh-huh. he didn't. I just put him in a coat. I put him in a coat. Yeah. And a hat you, and gloves. You don't get a choice here. No. Yeah. But anyway, like, he, he didn't even question it. Like, right. um, why, why am I wearing a coat? It's cold outside. Oh, okay, yeah, of course we wear a coat. <laughs> right? It's a three-year-old's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just wear yeah. a coat. Yeah. Um, but, like, my son's 11 now, and it's, like, 27 degrees. And he's wearing um, pants and a long sleeve shirt, and that's it. And I'm like, son, it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. I know. Son, you're gonna you're gonna be at recess and you're gonna be outside for thirty minutes today and it's gonna be freezing. I know. Yeah. Right? Now, my temptation is to treat him like a three year old. Here. Hold I'll, him. I'm gonna hold him down, yep. put, put my your, knee on his chest, and get like your coat on. Yeah, and yep. like squeeze a coat on him. Yeah. Right? But what I have a three year old's coat though? <laughs> Just maybe, kidding. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's why he doesn't want to wear it. It doesn't yeah, yeah. fit very well. Dad, it's too tight. <laughs> Why do you do this? Fat kid in a little <laughs> coat. Uh, so anyway, he. Uh, so I'm learning. I have to grow. I have to grow with my son. Yeah. And unless I empower him to make some bad decisions in a limited, safe, uh, boundaried way right. he won't freeze to death he'll just be cold at recess he'll just be cold at recess and if he gets sick then you know uh i can i can as i feed him chicken noodle soup i can give him the shaming eyes <laughs> that we all like so much i'm not gonna say anything but you but. know <laughs> no so like um I, I in order to love my son i have to grow with him and empower him and even let him make some decisions i wouldn't yeah. I can't continue continually relate to him as though he's the same person because he's not. Mm-hmm. This is why so many marriages get in trouble. Yeah, too. We marry yeah. somebody, mm-hmm. and we just we demand that they always want to climb our branches and pick apples and swing <laughs> from our branches. Yeah, you know. But what happens is, what happens is people change. Yeah, people grow. Yeah, uh, Stanley Hauerwas has this really uh, inf- infuriating but also amazing line about yeah. marriage. He says uh, he's talking about soulmates, and he yeah. says 
um, nobody marries their soulmate. Yeah. He said, even if you think you marry your soulmate, um, um, that's not who they are. That's not who they are. Yeah. Um, because most people don't know who they are when they get married. Yeah. And even if you do know who you are and your spouse knows who they are when you get mm-hmm. married, if you're one of the rare people that has like a fully actualized, cognizant, rash, like, you know, mm-hmm. like no illusion self, just wait because you'll change. Yeah. <laughs> right. You'll change. And then, so what I'm realizing in my marriage is, my wife and I have gone through this, um, I know you and Deb have too, mm-hmm. is my wife isn't the person I married 20 years ago. Right. I'm not the person who married my wife 20 years ago. Right. And so I can continually relate to her as though she's the same person she was when she was 23. Yeah. Or, or wish or try to make her into that. Or just uh, make that, uh, allow that to be sort of the the reason why I'm no longer, we're no longer compatible. Yeah, yeah. We're not in love anymore because we're not the same people. So let's just, you know, let's, let's leave. Yeah. Yeah. So divorces happen because of this essentially. Right. But covenants, covenants are these strong boundaried commitments where we learn how to grow and change as people grow and change yeah. so that our love has to mature. Yeah. It, we can't stay locked in one. We can't figure out how to love somebody one time mm-hmm. and just do that. So whether you're married, whether you're a parent or whether you're a pastor, mm. we, uh, to love yeah. like Jesus means you're accommodating and condescending to where people are meeting them where they're at at a great cost to yourself yes but you you're not demanding people don't change yeah you're you're accepting them where they're at uh you are at least accepting that this is the person that i'm talking to this is the church i have yes i have to pastor this has been a huge lesson for me is like i can't make my church into the ideal church i have to pastor the church i have yes you know and this is what it is, this is what it is right now. Bonhoeffer that, called okay. that the wish dream, yeah, of community. Yeah, he said the Life only together. thing that'll kill biblical Christ-centered community is you relating to a wish dream of what that community should be, yes, rather than dealing with what it is. Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. But he's saying the same thing that I'm yes. trying to say about the giving tree, which yeah. is the, the tree doesn't let the boy grow mm-hmm. and relate to the boy where he is. Yes. But rather... Um, the tree stays locked in one stage of the relationship yeah. and demands that the boy calls the boy back to that. Yeah. Right? The third thing I would say is that, um, so the first thing is the, the, the tree, um, the tree just... Uh, Capitulates to the boy's desires. Yes. The yes. second thing is the tree refuses to let the boy uh, get older. Yes. Uh, the third thing is that the, the boy, the only relationship the boy wants with the tree... I would say, even potentially as a young boy and an old man, mm. but let's take those off the table because I think those are debatable, in the middle of his life. 
is that the boy wants to use the tree mm-hmm. and the tree lets himself be used or herself be used. Yeah. This is like uh, the kid who uh, comes home, uh, but he only just wants, like after college or whatever, and, you know, gets fired from his job. He just wants money from his parents. Yep. Just you know? money. Just a place to live in money. And I don't want any commitments, any, I don't want any responsibilities. Yeah. Don't make any demands on yeah. me. Yeah. Just feed me. Yeah. And give me a place to live and stay out of my way. Right. And according to the giving tree, the loving sacrificial thing would, to do would be to do the, all of that. To accommodate that. To accommodate that. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would just say that um, love doesn't use people. Yeah. Love also resists enabling people using me. Yeah. Because we know that's not good for me. Yeah. And that's not good for you. Yeah. That's not how relationships are meant to function. If if I let you use me Mm -hmm. and you think that that's good, that's a severely damaging thing I'm doing to you. Yes. Yeah. So it can be extremely, it's very loving to say no you know, to yeah. set to set boundaries, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. say, I won't be treated that way. That's not selfish. It's loving. Yeah. To say, I can't be, I won't be treated that way. Yeah. Um, because, not just because, like, it, I'm only concerned about myself, but because I am concerned about you. Yeah. I don't want to enable, you know, I don't want to enable you to continue to do this. Yes. To me. Or to anybody. Right. But, yeah. So, then let's... Then can I just share maybe like, so that's deconstructing the giving tree. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, those are some of the things I saw in it as I began to spend time with Jesus and, and watch and notice how Jesus loved people and and the contrast between Jesus and the giving tree. Yeah. So I think that's important to say, like this different definition of love that challenges the giving tree doesn't, doesn't just sort of come out of thin air or out of like psychology textbooks. Like this is spending time with Jesus and noticing how he loves. So this is basically applying that first uh, John principle about love. It's like, yeah. how do we know what love is? Well, we know, we know what love is because God loved us. Well, how did God love us? God sent his son. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And yes. so we look at Jesus in the Gospels, and what we see him doing is what love does. Yes. And so that's, that's I think, the picture. That's an important thing to say. Like all this stuff we're asserting about love, it's really rooted in the life of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. So then maybe we can make some proactive statements about love. Yes. Uh, here to close out. So the love we see revealed in Jesus uh, says yes, which mm-hmm. is what the giving tree does mm-hmm. the entire time. Mm-hmm. But love also says no. Yeah. So yeah. love is saying yes and no, learning to say both. It's it's crucial Yeah. that we have room in our conception and embodiment of love Mm-hmm. To say no. Yep. And that demands wisdom. It, it demands wisdom and some distance from, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. have to own, an, I mean, to quote a previous episode, we yeah. have to own and name our kairoses yep. if we're going to actually be able to love because we, we have to have some distance from our own stuff. Yes. In order to make a wise, what's yes and what's no? Well, wisdom can show you. Yes. Okay. Uh, number two, and this is, we see this in Jesus, love doesn't assume that that another's happiness exists in them getting all their desires met. Right. So love, uh, love seeks the good of another. Yes. But love doesn't assume that that good is getting every desire met. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking of uh, a Billie Eilish song. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is it because we're in a music studio right now? Yeah, it might, might be. Uh, there's a new song that she has out um, that uh, uh, I really like. Uh, and she says something like this. She says, uh, I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Um, and then I think a little bit later, there's one more line in there that I don't know. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Um, I think it was a nightmare is the next line <laughs> for anyone who might care. It's a great little song. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So love is learning to say so, yes and no. Uh, yes love, and no. Love that's uh, revealed in Jesus understands that um, the good of another isn't giving them or enabling them to get everything they want. Yes. Desire is a meeting place for God. God wants to shape our desires, not just meet them. He wants to reveal our desires. He doesn't just want to um, fulfill them. Yes. Number three, love Love learns to let go and empower and adapt. And adapt? Adapt. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so then love doesn't enable people. Love empowers people. Yeah. So like well, with my son, I'm here's what I'm learning to do. I'm learning not to try to control his choice not to wear a coat. It's not a choice I'd make. I don't think it's wise. But I'm learning to empower him to say, uh, you can make this decision and you will also take responsibility for the consequences of this decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's love. Mm-hmm. That, love is you are empowered to to use your agency to do something uh, that I wouldn't do for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I, I won't then drive your coat to the school today <laughs> when right. you're cold at recess. Right. Um, I also, you know, I also will uh, probably need to bring some consequence if if there's some cold, if there's something, uh, another repercussion of you being cold at recess, I uh-huh. probably will not shield you from those consequences. Right, right. Like it's good for you to experience my choices matter. Yeah. My decisions uh, bring results that I may not like yeah. and I need to account for how I use my yes. agency. That's not being mean to somebody. That's empowering them. That's empowering them. To feel the, to feel the results of your choices is extremely empowering because then for Deacon, his problem can be his relationship to his coat Rather than dad, yeah, dad's always on me about my coat. No, and that that yes. that's an ex, that's that allows him to not deal with the uh, the the consequences of his choices because his problem is just dad now. Yes, and I, if I could just put a caveat here, a, a consequence for your choice is different than a punishment for your choice. Yes, absolutely, that's really good. Say so more. I'm not going to say, hey, you have to wear your coat. Otherwise, I'll ground you for a week. Right, that's a punishment. That's a punishment because you're disobeying me. Right. 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 A consequence for not wearing your coat is being cold at recess. Yes. Yeah. And so then we have questions. Oh, we have questions. We have conversations outside of these times where there's rules. So, for instance, he can't watch certain shows. Uh, I won't let him watch PG, most PG-13 movies. And all his friends, his friends are watching like Stranger Things and like uh, other shows that I'm just like, how could you possibly, mm-hmm. my 11-year-old, I, I just... I, I need to take care of his imagination. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but we talk often about, okay, when I say no to you, um, I don't want to protect you from every bad thing and every bad choice. I said, because when you get to be in college and I'm no longer there with rules or protection yeah. and you're, for the first time in your life, 
having to make choices on your own mm-hmm. without any understanding of how to do that yeah. or why you would make a choice or what the consequences. It's like, this is why so many Christian kids, I think, go to college and they just lose their minds. Yeah, It's the first time in their life they can do whatever they want. Yeah, And they just do it all. It's yeah. rum springer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to try it. I'm going to drink it every fountain of Satan's, you know, uh, <laughs> right. stand. Right. Because they've, uh, yeah, the only reason they've been good this whole time is because there's been punishments for being bad. You know what I mean? Or like somebody's they, watching. You know? Right. Or somebody's watching. And so they've carried with them this belief that my happiness is getting what I want and I can't do it right now because dad and mom are my problem. Yes. So then, so then uh, I'm not saying this to critique uh, anybody's way of parenting. I'm just no, saying no, no. this to say like, I have conversation with Deacon. Deacon, I love you, which means I want you to grow in wisdom, which means in mm. under controlled, safe circumstances, you're able to employ your agency in ways that I wouldn't, yeah. but you have to live with the consequences of it because the consequences of bad choices are, a great tutor yeah. of how of, of why not to make bad choices, yeah. right? Yeah. And so love then uh, doesn't shield people from the consequences of their actions. Yes. Um, all right, number number four. We got number four. What uh, yeah. what 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 typically I think people hold up the tree as a paragon for is sacrificial love. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about what dying to self is and isn't. Mm. So I grew up, I grew up in a family system that equated dying to self as never um, tr- trusting what you want or need to other people. So if I need something <laughs> yeah. or I want something, yeah. it's it's virtuous to to not sublimate it, to just kill it, suffocate it deny yeah. it yeah. Uh, to because it's selfish to That's ask selfish. for what you want. It's uh, self-centered mm. to ask for what you need. It's presumptuous to be forthright with mm. um, your opinion. Yeah. It sounds like an unhealthy Enneagram too. Say more. Yeah, say more about that. Yeah. So if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, the two is the helper. Uh, but what, what one of the features of um, unhealthy too. So every Enneagram type has a, a range of health to unhealthy, you know, healthy versus unhealthy. And in the unhealthy ranges, um, twos are completely unable to own and name what they want because their whole identity has been, car- they've carved out an identity for themselves around this idea that I am the self-sacrificial one. I am here to help you. I don't have needs. I'm here to help you with your needs. Yes. And so when they have a need, it's like a it's like a crisis, and they're actually they're actually trying to get their needs met by serving you and serving you and serving you and serving you, hoping that you will, without them having to say it, that they want something, that you will reciprocate and help them. Yes. Um, this it, is, it rarely happens. This is my family system. Mm. Th- th- this is probably the dominant religious system I grew up in. Yeah. So that what happens is nobody, everybody, everybody has a veneer of piety. Yeah. But underneath... What happens is people's people are living distanced from their hearts. Mm-hmm. They're breeding resentment yep. and condemnation and anger because no one cares for me. Yeah, they uh, shame themselves and have self-loathing for the mm-hmm. fact that they actually have needs and wants. Yeah, and many of them are legitimate. 
right? Right. And then there's also this persecution complex that erupts mm. because I'm the martyr. I'm yeah. the one doing everything. Yeah. Uh, if only people could recognize and appreciate how much I'm dying to myself in order to love other people. Mm-hmm. Does nobody see how Christ-like I am? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there's this, and, and I just, I, I'm trying not to be glib about this. Maybe some of you um, live like this. Maybe some of you are recognizing for the first time this is you. There's mm-hmm. grace for that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I I want to contend that that isn't what Jesus was talking about yeah. when he talked about dying to self. Yeah. It doesn't mean being a martyr, a victim, a doormat. Right. So then what would, it, what would dying to self look like uh, for the tree? Uh, well, the first thing is the tree... The tree longs for the boy to be all be who he was when he was young, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we die to is like not giving other people freedom. You know, not not releasing people to grow and change. Yeah, we want to hold on to people and keep them where they are and don't ever grow up or don't ever change. You know, this is kind of the thing we write in high school yearbooks: don't ever change. Uh, I'm so glad that that wish was unfulfilled in my life. <laughs> uh, um, but it was like, a hot mess in high school. A hot mess, right? So that's 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 one of the things. The other mm-hmm. thing that seems like the tree, like death for the tree, would to be to to offer a new vision of flourishing to the boy. Yeah, that would be death for the tree. That's the last thing the tree wants to do. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there. I think this is where, like, thinking about that unhealthy family system you talked about. I think that helps us here because death, like, there's a there's a there's a false self that's being cultivated in all of this so-called sacrificial giving, right? Yeah. And that that's what you're dying to. You're dying to this vision of yourself as the one who's always so Christ-like, the one who is always giving, the one who is always, you know, mm-hmm. to die to that would mean to say something like, I really want, uh, I really want something. I really yes. want this. I yes. really, you know. So for the tree uh, to die to that, desire would be to probably say something like that to the boy. I, I wish I wish this could be the case, you know? Yes. But then also to let the boy be who he is. As something a man. like I miss spending time with you the way we used to. Yeah. And now you you only show up when you need something from me and I'm tempted to just give it to you because I want you to be happy and I yeah. want that connection we used to have. Yeah. But I'm not going to give it to you. Yes. Because the only relationship I experience with you is you coming to me when you need to use me. Yeah. That would be an incredible death for the tree Yeah, to say that. Yeah. Or an unhealthy Enneagram too. Anyway. <laughs> it, it would be. It would be an incredible death. Um, yeah. I was reminded of a, a quote from, uh, from a Enneagram too I heard one time that was talking about their kids were all, mo- they were becoming empty nesters. Um, she and her husband, kids were all moving off to college. And she said, uh, she said, I realized that the thing that terrified me the most is that now that my kids don't need me, are they going to want me? Yes. And death to self for somebody who fears that is to just own and name that. You know what I mean? Just to say that. Yeah. And to own and name it and not, not to try to make your kids need you so that they still want yes. you. You know what I mean? Passive aggressive manipulation. Right. right. But to give them the freedom to perhaps not want you. You know what I mean? Like that, that might be the case. You know, yes. your kids may choose that. Yes. And they may not call as much as you want. But love love or death to self is allowing that to be the case. 
while maybe appropriately speaking to the issue. Yes. You know, in the in the way that you talked about. Yes. So then death to self isn't becoming a passive doormat yeah. for people to walk over. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, there's probably a whole podcast to do on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's used by, it's used by leaders sometimes to get people to try to control people. Yes. It's, it's a weapon. Extremely You harmful. just got to die here, man. You just got to die to yourself. You got to die to yourself. Any, yeah. You know, anybody... Um, and when Jesus talks about dying to self, taking up your cross and follow me, he's he's talking, he's asking people to repent mm-hmm. of a of a socio political national religious vision yeah. that would make Jesus the antithesis of who he is. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he's saying, uh, uh, die to this vision of power that will. Um, that is what's wrong with the world mm-hmm. and take up the instrument of that domination, shaming and control, take it up, yeah. submit to it so that the power of it's undone in your life. Yes. That's what he's saying when he says die to self. And he's not saying take up your cross and die for me. He's saying, take up your cross with me. I mean, he's the one who's, t- he's yes. the one who took up his cross. If, and you, shows if us anybody would it. come after me. Yeah. Right. If anyone wants to follow me. Yeah. You right. do the, you do what I do, which right. is we go to the cross. Right. Anyway. Right, so um, maybe just maybe to, just to, to close out here, um, mm-hmm. the 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 last thing I'd say just about a positive vision of love is that, and I mentioned this already, but like love offers people truth, vision for yeah. vision for stepping into a new area of life that's better, healthier, holier, more flourishing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So love, love then offers, um, non-coercively, I might add, uh, an invitation into a deeper relationship with you mm-hmm. and a greater flourishing in reality. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the truest thing about someone that you can say is usually not what you see that's wrong with them. So the the truth you offer is is possibility. Yeah. The truth you offer is identity, yeah. you know, in Christ. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessarily always... Anyway, sometimes I think that's why we're afraid of yes. telling the truth. It's yes. the only truth I can think of is what annoys me about you right now or yes. whatever. Yes, right, know? right. Um, but there's more to it than, than just what's wrong. So then maybe to close, how this is working out with my daughter right now. Okay. She's eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, she doesn't really want to spend time with me on my terms. Yeah. What are your terms? What do you mean by that? Thank you for asking, Ben. My terms would be like <laughs> when, have she, a sheet. when she wakes up in the morning, she would come downstairs and sit on my lap and snuggle with me. Yeah. And she would tell me she loves me. And yeah. I would tell her I love her. Yeah. And she'd give me a kiss. And there'd be like two minutes of real nice, intimate connection. Uh-huh. And then she'd leave me alone to read. Great. Okay. So that's your terms. Uh, and then And then when I would ask her questions during the day and talk to her, she would appreciate that I'm interested in her life and that I'm interested in her life or Mm -hmm. engaging her. And she would talk back to me. (laughs) She would look me in the eye and respond. Uh And then maybe she would ask me questions. Um, and I could help her with my vast array of facts and data and experience that I have. Yeah. Because you read all morning, you've got all kinds of information that you can give her. I read and I I know stuff. This is the relationship I'd like with my daughter. So that's, that's your terms. Absolutely. None of that happens. Okay. She doesn't. She doesn't do that. She doesn't want to snuggle with me because in the morning uh, I stink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, 
what she means by that, I think, is that like you know, there's just kind of this general, you kind of have a general bed funk when you get up. You know what I mean? Like sure. you haven't brushed your teeth all night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes there's a lower wind in operation. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's just there's just a cacophony of things, and my my daughter is extremely conscious of things that are gross, mm-hmm. things that are beautiful, and so. When I sh- shower and put on cologne and I'm looking, you know, put on my uh, my best clothes, she is way more wanting to like touch me and be with me mm-hmm. than when I get up in my PJs. Yeah. Um. So she doesn't want to cuddle. She doesn't want to cuddle. She doesn't. She doesn't really talk to me. <laughs> it's so funny to hear Kinda. you say that. Like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll ask her a question and she just won't respond, mm-hmm. or I'll um, make a comment and she will like kind of dart her eyes away like there's just like dodgy weird things that are that go on right now with mm-hmm. her um but she signals to me in other ways how she wants our relationship to be mm-hmm. so she'll write me notes and mm-hmm. give me gifts and she will um <laughs> after not wanting to be with me all day come up to me after dinner mm-hmm. when i'm just exhausted mm-hmm. like exhausted and she will grab my shirt mm-hmm. and pull me close to her and go I need attention. <laughs> and what that signals, what that means is you can't talk to anyone else. Uh-huh. You can't look away from my eyes. Uh-huh. You have to be touching me the whole time. Uh-huh. And it probably has to be some physical engagement with me uh-huh. nonstop until I'm done with you. Yeah. Like she gets this like hyper focused, give me attention. And I'm like, that's it. I'm screwed. Like I got no energy. I, I, need, I cannot I, do it. I cannot do it. I need to use the restroom or my, my wife, I don't want to help my wife clean for dinner, but now like this is it. This is my opportunity. Right. Right. And so I, like for me right now, I submit to this, we usually wrestle or mm-hmm. dance mm-hmm. or I swing her around or I pick her up or we play airplane. It's really physical. Mm-hmm. It's physical with her. Yeah. Um, and just give her that. And she loves when I give her gifts and write her notes mm. and make her pictures, mm. those are the last things I want to do. <laughs> the absolute uh, last things yeah, I yeah. want to do. But right now what it looks like for me to die to myself and yeah. love my daughter yeah. is to meet her where she's at. Yeah. Like to really meet her where she's at. Yeah. Uh, without, you know, being a martyr. Right. Or demanding she be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And meeting her where she's at, actually, I've noticed I can call her into conversations that we weren't having otherwise. Yeah, I can call her into. Um, she makes eye contact with me. She yeah. wants to snuggle. Yeah, I can call her into the things I enjoy, yeah. but I have to meet her where she is first. Yeah, in order. To, so, so I mean, one of the things we talk about in this parenting workshop is connect before correct. You know, if there is something, yes. there's probably plenty of things an eight-year-old, you know, would need to be corrected for. And there's probably a vision for her that you want to call her into. Like when somebody does address you, like, you know, you want to call her into, yes. you know, responding, not just capitulate to that, yes, you right. know. Um, but the the platform that you have to speak into her life in those ways is based upon your willingness to connect with her in the ways that she is able to connect with you. Yes. Yeah. And so um, this, no, no, if, uh, she's 28 <laughs> and I'm still like, right, let's right. play airplane. Some of this is age dependent, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this gets back then maybe to close a loop on the giving tree. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a way for me to appreciate this, and I'm learning how to appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it still feels like a death to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, what it means to love my daughter is not demand that she never grow and change out of this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This was such a sweet time, you know, in in our lives. Yeah. You know. And then you know. 
you don't want attention anymore. Right. We right. never wrestle. We never, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's deconstructing the giving tree. Yep. And uh, love. Hopefully everybody's okay. I, I, Everybody so, okay? It's so important. It still is. I still get teary-eyed when I read the book. But I'm learning uh, that Jesus's love is better than the tree's love. Yeah. And that it actually, the 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 Jesus love that I'm encountering actually meets and transforms the boy mm. rather than just acquiesces and gets used by the boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's too, that's important too. Like oftentimes we see these things in black and white terms, like everything about the giving tree is awful. But no, there's there's elements of it. You know what I mean? Like you get teary-eyed when you think about the giving tree. Yeah. And there's elements of it that are that are probably reflective of the love of Christ, but it's not in its totality. And I think that's what's worth thinking about, remembering. All right, so I'm happy to hear where you think I'm misreading the giving tree. <laughs> happy to hear where you think I don't fully understand the giving tree or I need to consider another dynamic of it. So if you'd like to reach out and share that, please email us, podcast at gravityleadership.com. Yeah, go love. Go love, friends, at the love of Christ. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.